0: Welcome to the Valleybrook Community Church Podcast and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a sermon from our current series, Unshakable Hope. Unshakable Hope is a reminder of the hope we have in Christ, how it is enduring and withstands and lasts through the ages, the hope that comes with knowing the God who sees us, loves us, and will never leave us. To watch any of our previous messages or find all listening platforms, we encourage you to visit www.valleybrook.cc forward slash on demand. Enjoy. This morning, we're going to be looking at a tough subject. We're going to be looking at the unshakable hope of justice. On December 14th, 2012, seven-year-old Daniel Barden awoke early. The dark sky outside their home in Newtown, Connecticut was turning red-orange. Christmas lights illuminated the roof lines of the neighboring homes. Isn't this beautiful, he asked his father, who took a picture of the scene. The morning was full of tender moments. At one point, Daniel ran down the driveway in his PJs and flip-flops to hug and kiss his brother as he left for school. He made a point to hug his sister, Natalie, before she left. He and his dad played Jingle Bells on the piano. Later, Daniel hurried downstairs with a toothbrush in his mouth so he wouldn't miss the chance to tell his mother goodbye before she left for work. All in all, it was a joy-filled, carefree morning. No one ever imagined it would be Daniel's last. He was one of 20 children and six adults who were killed that morning at Sandy Hook Elementary School. We all know that it wasn't the first mass shooting, and unfortunately, it wasn't the last. But it was Kit children it reminds us all too often that there's so much in this world that we can't control it reminds us too often of the fact that life isn't fair when did you first learn those words life isn't fair What deed exposed the imbalanced scales of life to you? Did a car wreck leave you fatherless? Did friends forget you? A teacher ignore you? An adult abuse you? Have you ever prayed the psalmist's prayer? Oh, Lord, how long will you look on? When did you first ask the prophet's question? Why does the way of the wicked prosper? And why indeed? Why do drug peddlers get rich, sex offenders get off, charlatans get elected, murderers get out, cheaters get by with it, scoundrels get rewarded, hypocrites get chosen? How long will injustice flourish? In Scripture, God's answer is direct. He reveals this somber promise In the book of Acts, we read, for he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice. So we're going to look at the unshakable hope of justice today. Now, remember when we talk about hope, it's not that uncertain kind of hope that you and I say, oh, I hope I did well on my test. No, it's the sure and certain hope that comes from faith in Jesus Christ. When we say our hope is in Jesus Christ, it's not that we hope that we're saved. It's that we know we are saved. It's sure. It's certain. It's a hope that is one that we can bank our lives on. Now, I know that justice issues and social justice are are very popular topics. So to make it clear this morning, I'm going to use the term Biblical justice when I talk about God's justice. I'm making this clear distinction because social justice is, in most instances, not founded in a biblical worldview. In most instances, it's missing this very important perspective, God's perspective. And so, we will take that into account today as we talk about justice. Now, let me be clear, I'm not disrespecting any of the social justice issues or movements, but the fact is, biblical justice is different than cultural social justice. And without God's perspective, social justice lacks an important foundation. For Christ followers, we need to understand that biblical justice is completely rooted in the character of God, who God is, and when we read Scripture, we see how comprehensive biblical justice is. It cares for both the the earthly things as well as the heavenly things, both the, the temporal and the eternal. So let's dig in. Biblical justice first is concerned with the temporal the Bible makes it clear that God and Jesus are concerned with justice, with what happens on this earth in our lives. God was, in, was concerned with what happened at Sandy Hook. God is concerned with what happens in your life. Here's the first thing that we need to understand about biblical justice. It's generous. When you read the Bible, you can't help but notice that God is radically generous And it tells us how we are to care for those in need, for the poor, for the foreigner, for the widow, for the orphan. We're supposed to be generous. Biblical justice is radical generosity. While secular individualism says that your money belongs to you and socialism says your money belongs to the state, the Bible says that all of your money belongs to God, who then entrusts it to you. In the book of Luke, Jesus calls us to be wise stewards of our wealth. Just a reminder, a steward is a manager of an estate under the estate's owner, making that person both the master and yet a servant. So our wealth... Belongs to us, and yet it does not belong to us. And so, God calls us to use it not just on ourselves, but to use it as a manager under God's guidance. Because Christians are expected to be generous like God is generous, then we know the body of Christ. The church should also be generous. And and think about it. Historically, the church's generosity was there a long time before there were governments that had welfare programs. In fact, the early church was so concerned with the care of widows and orphans that they actually set apart specific leaders they called them deacons to make sure that those who were at the least of these in society would be taken care of that they would have food and shelter we read in the book of acts that the early members of the church sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need So, biblical justice is generous, even if it costs Christ followers sacrificing something of their own. Biblical justice also sees humans as equal to one another. You see, biblical justice is generous because God is generous, and because God values all humans, biblical justice sees all humans Uh, as equally valuable. Now, Now, let me remind you, you know, when our nation went through the civil rights movement, many of those first leaders found their proof for the value of humanity right in Scripture. In the book of Genesis, we read this. God created human beings in His own image, in the image of God. He created them, male and female. He created them. You see, God sees every single person as valuable. God sees every single one of us as made in His image. And biblical justice recognizes the value and the worth of every single person because they're image bearers of God. They're they're made in the image of God. And so the practical implications for followers of Jesus with regards to this truth that we're all image bearers, is that if God sees all people as valuable, then we have to deal with the sins in our world of racism and sexism and classism and abilityism and every other kind of ism that there is that tries to denigrate a person and label them as less than because that goes against how God sees them. And so followers of Jesus should lead the way in working to remove the constructs of bias in our personal lives, but also to influence the greater culture to remove the sins of those biases. Biblical justice also cares for the poor. Through his word, we see God supports the care of those who, for whatever reason, are unable to take care of themselves. When we read through the Bible, we'll come across verses like Deuteronomy 27, 19, which says, Cursed is anyone who denies justice to foreigners, orphans, or widows. James, the brother of Jesus, in his letter, wrote these words. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. To look after orphans and widows in their distress. Now, look, I, I know for some of you, these verses are pushing some of your buttons, but let me remind you that this is not politics that we're talking about. This is God's word that tells us this. This is not social justice, this is biblical justice. And, and so, Christians have to divorce ourselves mentally from the political issues of the culture and immerse ourselves in the heart of God, and God's heart is just, and He wants His people to care for the poor, for the widows, for the orphans, and for the foreigner, just to reinforce how important that is for us to care for those people. Remember the words of Jesus. Who said this? Whatever you did for the least of these, you also did for me. So not only is uh, biblical justice concerned with the temporal things, the things of this earth, biblical justice is also concerned with the eternal things. Biblical justice is rooted in who God is, and we know that he is concerned with our lives here and now, but he's also concerned with where we will spend eternity, because He wants us to be with Him forever. God made it very clear from His Word that all of humanity will one day stand before Him and be judged. Now, secular culture doesn't deal with this, and truthfully, a lot of Christ followers don't like to talk about this, but but we have to because Scripture does. And think about it this way. For there to be justice, there has to be judgment between right and wrong. And Christianity tells us that we will all face a judgment day and the justice of God. So let me remind you of the scripture that I read earlier at the beginning of this message. It says, God has set a day when he will judge the world with justice. The Bible also tells us this in 2 Corinthians For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. You see, actual justice requires that bad deeds are punished and good deeds are rewarded. That's how justice works. In the book of Revelation, John gives us this prophetic view of what the judgment day will look like And this is what he writes. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. So in these verses, they talk about Jesus who is sitting on the great white throne, judging all of humanity with justice. Before him are several books that contain a list of everybody's deeds, the good deeds and the bad deeds. God will punish or reward people according to what they've done. But let me be clear, the deeds recorded in these books and the accompanying judgment Do not determine where we'll spend eternity. There was another book mentioned, and Jesus will open that, and that book is called the book of life, and that book reveals the eternal destination of every single person. Everyone whose name is written in the book of life will be in heaven, and everyone's name who is not written in that book will be in hell. Now, stay with me. Uh, I understand that some of you don't like to talk about this or think about this, but this is what Scripture says, and and this is the big picture, and this is a significant understanding of biblical justice. So, biblical justice brings a pardon for God's people. God's people are those who have professed faith in Jesus Christ. Now, remember what I read a moment ago, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ— That first person plural pronoun, we, includes me and you and every saintly person who has ever lived in the world and every scoundrel scoundrel who has ever lived in the world. Every single person who has ever lived. You know, when Paul writes in the book of Romans, he tells us something very interestingly about the judgment day. He, He writes, God judges people's secrets through Jesus Christ. That's a little unnerving, but it's also pretty amazing. The implication is that our secrets will be judged publicly. That's the unnerving part, okay? Why? Why should they be judged publicly? Because each deed must be judged. But, but here is the amazing part. God will judge us through Jesus Christ. That means God filters his verdict through Jesus. Believers won't stand before the judge's bench alone. Jesus will be at our side. And as each of our sins is disclosed, Jesus will say, I died for that. It's forgiven As your sins are read, the verdict will be read. And because of Jesus taking your punishment, you will hear over and over again the words, not guilty. God's justice demands a detailed accounting. God will not permit the hint of injustice into his new kingdom. Every citizen will know every sin that has surfaced and been pardoned. Heaven can't be heaven with secrets or buried pasts. Biblical justice means that because Jesus paid for your sins, you're pardoned. Biblical justice also brings praise for our service. So let me return to that, that idea that Jesus will walk through the history of our lives and judge every deed. Again, that feels unnerving, but you won't be embarrassed. To the contrary, you will be stunned. Your awe will grow as the list of your forgiven sins lengthens. That covers our sins, but excuse me, that covers our sins. Yes, that covers our sins, but what about the good deeds that we do? The apostle Paul writes what God will do there. He writes in First Corinthians. God will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of our hearts. At that time, each will receive their praise from God. So uh, God reviews our bad deeds, but as he does that, he also reviews our good deeds. In the book of Hebrews, this is what we read. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. Our just God will recognize our faithful stewardship. If you invest your treasures to honor him, he will give you more gifts in heaven. If you enlist talents to his honor, he will give you more talents. The same pen that records our impure thoughts makes note of our pure thoughts. The Bible says this, that Jesus will say to us, once he reviews our good deeds, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Justice is not real justice if sins are not punished and good deeds are not rewarded. It's only fair. Here's the second, the third part of this eternal part of justice. Justice. Biblical justice honors the wishes of the wicked. Paul wrote, write, writes about some people with these words. He says this, Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. You know, there are people who don't believe in God, people who mock God, who even turn other people away from God. And if people refuse to believe in and honor God, then if God is just, God has to honor their wishes. And therefore, these people will face the consequences. Jesus will not stand with them when they stand before the judgment throne. Jesus will not declare their sins forgiven. They will be declared guilty. The Bible says this, that Jesus will say to those, depart from me you who are cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Now look, I know that's heavy stuff, but God is just and his justice will prevail. And we have to take that into account. So we've looked at the temporal and we've looked at the eternal part of justice, but here's what we need to understand about biblical justice. It requires our participation. We are not passive observers. As followers of Jesus, we're required to follow, to engage, to participate. You see, all of our actions have consequences. Some of them are good, some of them are bad. Biblical justice requires that we take responsibility for our personal actions. Thus, to understand what biblical justice requires our participation in then seeing biblical justice is done in both the temporal and eternal things is important for us. So consider this question and statement from God. What does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. God requires us, His spiritual sons and daughters, to live our lives humbly with Him and to seek His justice and His mercy for the world. Now look, I think we have a pretty clear picture of what uh, it will be like to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. While our salvation is secure if we have believed in Jesus, accepting His forgiveness for our sins, repenting of our sins, and following Him, what we have received from Him is a sacred trust. It is the knowledge of biblical justice and how to have eternal life. That knowledge is not for us and us alone. That sacred trust of this knowledge demands that we both live what we know and that we share what we know with others. It requires that we get involved in the messiness of life with the attitude that we will love our neighbors as we love ourselves. The Lord requires us to act justly. And to do that means that we live generous lives, sharing with others what God has so freely put into our care. It means we treat all people with dignity and equality, regardless of their lifestyles, regardless of their philosophy, regardless of their faith. We stand with them. And when they are treated poorly by others, it means we advocate for the least of these, doing whatever it takes to make sure that they can live. That's why, as a church, we've said that we will come alongside people, that we will never let anyone go without food or without heat. Uh, Our God is a God of justice, and He has called us to represent Him. And in this world, He wants us to be His hands his heart and his feet delivering the temporal and eternal message of biblical justice that we have in him. The Lord also requires that we love mercy. We of all people who have experienced the mercy of God through our forgiveness of our sins have to be merciful to others. God's mercy is not unjust for us. It's It is just, and it's not something that is given to us alone. It's for all people. And now that we've received it, we have to share the good news with others. Honestly, if we refuse to share what Jesus has done for us with others, we're saying we don't care about them, and we're saying they can go to hell. We need to recognize That God has placed us on this earth not to live 70 or 80 or 90 or however many years we live, just to, to enjoy it, but our lives have a purpose, one that we're supposed to live out on this earth. And a big part of that purpose is sharing with others what we found in Jesus. So I want to challenge you and encourage you and ask you to consider. Where God has placed you on this earth, in the sphere of influence that you have, the places where you go, where you connect with other people, the friendships, the relationships you have. Think about it this way. God has placed you in those places and in those relationships, and you have relational clout with that person. You are the most well-positioned to share with them what you have experienced about the mercy and justice and forgiveness of God through Jesus Christ. And he calls us all to be messengers of that. It could be the places where you shop. It could be where you work. It could be your school. It could be in your neighborhood. It could be in your family. All of those are part of your sphere of influence. God implores us to look at that sphere of influence through his eyes and say, who's that person that needs to understand the love of Jesus? The sacred trust that we've been given demands that we do that. So I would ask you to begin to pray and say, God, give me eyes to see the people in my my sphere of influence. That I can share your love and your mercy with, that I can help them understand what it means to believe in Jesus. You know, the reality is you have a story of how you came to faith, and no one can argue with that story because it is your story. It's your reality, and people need to hear it. Your children, your grandchildren, your friends, your aunts, your uncles, your parents, your neighbors, your co-workers, the person you work out with next to in the gym, the, the person that you see every time you go to the grocery store, those people need to, to hear that. Ask God to open your eyes and your heart to how you can share that message of love and justice. I, I want to close in prayer that in a way that will really allow us to spend some time talking to God. But I wanna begin that prayer with the very fact that I know that I've just shared what eternal justice looks like. And some of you may say, well, I need to get my relationship with God in a right position. I've never told him I believed in him and accepted his forgiveness for my sins and decided to follow him. So I'm gonna start off with a prayer leading anybody online or in this room to pray a prayer that you can put in your own words silently wherever you are. And then I'm going to take us into a time of corporate prayer where I'm going to start that prayer time, but but then I'm going to allow you to talk to God in silent prayer about the people in your sphere of influence, that He can open your heart and your mind to see how you can share the good news of Jesus with them. So if you would, bow your heads, let's pray. God, as we come here today, we we thank you for your love for us. And for anyone who has realized that they need to be in a right relationship with God through their faith in Jesus, this is how you can tell them that you want to become his follower. Dear God, I believe in Jesus. Just pray that to him. I believe that Jesus died to pay for my sins. And today I turn away from those sins. I repent because I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And I want to follow him all the days of my life. And we'll say amen there, but I'll continue in prayer for all of us. God, thank you. Thank you for where you've put us in the friendships, in the family, in the neighborhood, in the school, uh, the place where we work, the places where we shop, the community. Now, Lord, open our hearts and our minds to see the people who need to know about you. Give us the Holy Spirit boldness to be able to share our story of how we came to faith in you. Help us respond help us share your love. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website at www.valleybrook.cc.